Welcome to The Power of Good, a podcast series that highlights the work of people doing great things, caring things, often life-saving things for other people. These are the altruists, the optimists, the social entrepreneurs among us, those helping others across backgrounds, politics, religion, and geography in compassionate and creative ways. I'm your host, Jake Murray, and join me as I seek out these inspiring leaders and innovators to learn more about their work, what they do for others, and why they do it. I always think about sport as the lever for me by which I was able to succeed personally, emotionally, spiritually. It just was a space by which, like I said, I I felt I could define myself and really come into my own and allowed me to kind of blossom in many ways. And, and I'm really committed to ensuring that young people, particularly young women, have pathways and access to sport. Kids who are involved in sports develop skills in teamwork, collaboration, leadership, and confidence. That's why it's important for all kids to have the opportunity to participate, especially girls whose visibility and representation on sports teams trails that of boys. So I spoke with Becca Salwaser, Executive Director of the Red Sox Foundation. As head of a foundation to one of the most visible Major League Baseball teams and one of the most well-known professional sports teams in the world, she understands the importance of attracting and supporting girls and women in sports. We talked about what sports have meant to Becca personally, how the Red Sox are working to support healthy and active kids and communities, and the new ways her foundation is looking to make an impact. Becca, thanks for joining me. Of course, happy to be here. So before we get into your professional work and your role with the Red Sox Foundation, I wanted to ask first about your personal experience with sports Mm -hmm. and why sports has been so important to you, what it's meant in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So I always talk about sport as probably the greatest influencer in my life. Um, I was lucky enough to have my parents uh, have me participate in Cambridge Youth Soccer starting at about four or five years old. And coming from a family that had five children, it was always busy. It was always chaotic. There was always a struggle for where you fit within a household of seven people. Sports for me was a space where I could really spread my wings and find my own identity. And so I very quickly gravitated to being an athlete because it was, again, a platform by which I could really start to self-identify and feel like I was being recognized as an individual as opposed to a cohort of five children. And the more I gave, the better I became, the more accolades I won uh, when I started to always make the team, be captain, be named All-American. So very quickly accelerated through sport um, and achieved a lot in high school, went on to play in college and then went on to play professionally here in Boston for the Breakers and um, officially retired in 2010 after winning a national championship with uh, my semi-pro team at the time and still play casually on the side. But again, I always think about sport as the lever for me by which I was able to succeed personally, emotionally, spiritually. It just was a space by Mm -hmm. which, like I said, I, I felt I could define myself and really come into my own and allowed me to kind of blossom in many ways. And and I'm really committed to ensuring that young people, particularly young women, have pathways and access to sport because it is truly 
an enabler for success. And it's truly a neutralizer when you think about just bringing together all types of people from different socioeconomic backgrounds and races and just situations in a way that you all come together, put on the same uniform. And it's not really about what color you are. It's about how good you are and how big of a team player you are. So, yeah, I want to get to your focus and or your work around girls participation in sports. Getting back to you, the motivation to play sports and the sort of cycle or that once you got positive feedback, was that intrinsic? Were your parents involved? Were they like the parents on the sidelines saying, Becca, let's go, come on? Or no, how, what, what it was, was the motivation? It was self-driven. Intrinsic, I right? was, yeah, absolutely. I, um, like I said, I think coming from a family that was, my parents worked multiple jobs. There were five of us. There was always family. My mom's one of 11 and they were all local. And so there were so many people in our house that it was busy and crazy dysfunctional at times but loving at times and so it was a it was a busy space to grow up in and so for me sport was a calm space that I felt like I was becoming my own individual and so I gravitated to it and so I was drawn to that I was always the one dad can you take me to practice dad I got this tournament can I go this weekend and so it was it was self-driven yeah which is important which we can talk about a little bit later youth sports today the professionalization of youth sports, mm-hmm. it's the parents or the coaches who are pushing or driving mm-hmm. kids to participate versus this intrinsic piece. Absolutely. Um, but it sounds like from the size of your family and your mother's family, like half the stands were there <laughs> rooting for you. Because- well, no, it was funny because, no, because there were so many of us, my mom and dad were always pulled in different directions. So oftentimes I played without my family around. Uh-huh. And so it was an interesting dynamic that I grew up not having a ton of support from my parents in sport simply because they were pulled in a hundred other directions with my other siblings. Right. My mom and dad drove me out of everywhere before I could drive, but um, they didn't necessarily come to all my games, really many of them at all. So it was, it was interesting. Let's talk about girls participation in sports. Mm -hmm. Overall activity is going down. Mm -hmm. There's a sort of physical act inactivity epidemic or concern for girls. It's even more Mm -hmm. acute. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think is the important work or steps or strategy to increase women's participation? And what have you been doing either through the foundation Mm -hmm. or your own professional work? Well, the answer is complex and in a way that I don't think there is one answer, right? I think all I want to make sure I can do is invest in things that I know are helping solve that problem. And so one easy way from a foundation perspective, the Red Sox Foundation, is that we intentionally invest in nonprofits that are doing that work directly. And so one organization specifically is called Dream Big, um, run by an amazing woman named Linda Driscoll. And I think her mission verbatim is something like breaking down any barrier that would prevent a young girl from participating in sport. And it could be a barrier of, of finance. It could be a barrier of shin guards. It could be a barrier of transportation. But she does that direct work to make sure that any young girl that wants to play sports will play sports. And so we fund them. Another way that we directly are impacting that is through our RBI program. And RBI stands for Reviving Baseball in the Inner Cities. But I always give the disclaimer that it's baseball and softball in the inner cities. Um, And so we very equitably invest in softball and baseball in Boston for Boston residents ages 8 to 18 in the summertime. And so we run those leagues around every neighborhood in Boston. We find the coaches. We provide the uniforms and equipment. We permit the fields. We train the coaches. And so we're very, very intentional about ensuring that young girls are playing at the rate that young boys are playing and have access to participation at the rate that young boys do as well. 
What has the recent U.S. women's soccer team's World Cup victory meant for girls and sports? I mean, I can't speak for every girl or woman, but what I do know, having watched almost every single game, not just U.S. games, like every other game in the World Cup, is that there was a tangible excitement that I think came post their win that I believe has positively influenced so many women and young girls in this country to feel like they can, hard stop, they can, right? They can be a teammate, they can be an athlete, they can be a powerful person, they can be a powerful woman, they, they, they can, period. And I think that empowerment is so important. Um, for me personally, I, um, I wanted to play a part in their success, and so one of the things I did was um, I sent the two New England players, Sam Mewis and Alyssa Nair, who's the goalkeeper and the centerman, I sent them Red Sox jerseys over in France when they were over there. And then after they won, I invited them to throw out the first pitch here at Fenway Park. And so Alyssa and Sam came almost a week after their win to Fenway Park to throw out the first pitch. And it was an amazing moment here at Fenway because I was concerned that some of our fans wouldn't even know who they were. And as soon as they were recognized or called out to walk out onto the field to throw out the first pitch, um, the entire stadium started chanting USA. It was a recognition and uh, affirmation for me that – there were men watching the World Cup because most of the people at Fenway Park are men that come right, to games. Right. And so the fact that they knew who they were was really heartening to me. Um, this team in this World Cup really, really was something special that fans of the Boston Red Sox are excitedly cheering for two female athletes to walk onto the field to throw a first pitch yeah. and knew who they were. So it just... It, this was a special team um, yeah. that that made a, a real imprint, I think, on many, many lives, most notably young girls. Right. So in your time at the foundation, what has been some of the most powerful moments for you so far? I think just any time that I can look in the eye of someone as they walk out onto the field or as they get um, some moment here in the park that they are like, oh, my God, this is the greatest moment of my life that to me is is just it fills my soul it just refreshes me uh because it, it can become you just become complacent i work in fenway park every single day it's not terribly that special because i'm here every single day but i get reminded almost every game day by the fans that come in and by the groups that we facilitate and and accommodate here in the park that this is their one of their best moments and that to me is i know that I have the ability to create life-changing and memorable moment, life-memorable moments for people every single day. And that, that is just, it's amazing. It's mm -hmm. incredibly rewarding. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about RBI, reviving baseball in the inner cities. And softball. Little, and softball. Revi RBI. Reviving baseball, baseball and, and softball, softball in the inner cities. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, the word revive. Mm -hmm. So, there's, I'm assuming there's a challenge or there's a concern that the interest in baseball, baseball participation across the country, or particularly in urban areas, is decreasing. It's not the national pastime. It hasn't had that sort of appeal and moniker that it once did. Is there a real effort to revive and restore baseball? Is that behind this? You know, I, I think this is a larger conversation, though. I don't think it's just baseball. Having worked in in the urban community of Boston 
for 15 plus years through nonprofits that marry academics and athletics, there are oftentimes too few opportunities to participate in any sport for our young people compared to our suburban communities. And so not only is the quantity, but the quality of access to sport is subpar. This is just one spoke off a a larger hub of a problem, which is that we need to have better quality sports for urban communities, hard stop. And so for me, yes, we're the Red Sox. And so we're tackling that challenge through baseball and softball. But Personally, I have a larger commitment to all sports. And again, that goes back to our ability to fund nonprofits that do address multiple sports. And so we don't just fund nonprofits that work in baseball and softball. We are intentional to fund nonprofits that work in soccer and lacrosse and, I don't know, football, squash, tennis, whatever. Um, So we have a lot of work to do, not just with baseball and softball. The Aspen Institute just released their study Mm -hmm. around youth sports participation and why it's decreasing, and they just named the same things you're talking about. Mm -hmm. One is just cost. Mm Mm-hmm that youth sports have been professionalized and there's an AAU team for everything mm-hmm. and the cost of fee and the travel. Mm-hmm. And so only certain parents of certain means can mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. There's the access. Mm-hmm. If it's not near you or you can't get there through public transportation or you're a single mom and you've got five kids or the story you, you talked about in your own experience, mm-hmm. how are you going to get to the practices and mm-hmm. the things? Do you see your role at the foundation as tackling sort of costs making programs more affordable through your who you fund and mm-hmm. also the accessibility like we need to have more of a geographic spread or accessibility uh, of youth sports across the city let's say yeah I mean the short answer is yes I mean we we completely fund RBI baseball and softball and it's free for all participants and so that is absolutely intentional for us we don't want the barrier to be a financial constraint for a family so that's why we make sure that anybody that wants to play can and it's free Uh, As far as the geographical footprint, we as a market are New England. And so um, the Boston Red Sox is fully committed and the Red Sox Foundation are committed to New England. And so we are intentional about um, allocating our support across New England, not just in Boston, not just in the Commonwealth, but we fund nonprofits up in northern Maine, in Rhode Island, in to as many communities that need it. So when you came to the foundation, was was there anything that you wanted to reorient or change about what the foundation was doing, or you thought there was another focus or priority that should be here that wasn't? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I. so listen, that's a fluid question, right? I think we, I will always have my my antenna up to think about are there other ways to make impact? And so I am still thinking there's more that we can be doing. I think when I came in, my first intent was to systematize and give more structure to the foundation such that we had more of an operations under our belt as a team such that we could work more fluidly. And um, I think most notably, I've been able to think broadly about deepening our board of directors such that we can bring on some additional external key players in the Boston area that are real innovators when it comes to impact. Bridget Long, who's the dean of Harvard Graduate School of Education, who's like just an incredibly talented and brilliant woman. She is also helping us think about another program in partnership with Boston Public Schools, such that we could build out a dedicated week to allow Boston Public Schools elementary aged school students to visit Fenway Park free of charge, 
be given a tour, an educational tour that could bake into existing curriculum, augment that curriculum, and teachers could do some learning prep leading up to the, the tour and then coming off the tour back at school could use the curriculum implemented in the classroom to really just have it, like I said, augment existing curriculum for that specific grade. And help so, teach math, help teach totally, science, physics, totally. And so, but, but make Fenway Park part of that experience for a Boston Public School student. Yeah. And so Bridget's putting her manpower and brain behind that. And I think those are the ways that I, I can't take credit for that at all, but I certainly have was here when we brought her on board and you know what I mean? And so I feel like I've been part of that success indirectly, right. but, um, but those are some of the wins that I feel like have happened since I've been here. All right. I want to switch to a topic, uh, that can be sort of complicated and mm-hmm. charged. Well, it is complicated and charged and both the city of Boston and the Red Sox have had to address the issue of racism. Mm-hmm. There was an incident with Adam Jones a couple of years ago. Uh, the center fielder from the Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles, who reported that some of the fans had shared or had yelled racial epithets. Um, so in what ways are the Red Sox and the Red Sox Foundation addressing racism? So um, I, I think, as I mentioned, I came in after the incident had happened, but I will be honest that there have been other incidents that have happened at the park since then. And so this isn't a, I think no one believes that that was the first time and no one should think that that was the last time. What I will say that came out of that incident was the creation of Take the Lead. And Take the Lead, the best way I can describe it is a promise of the sports teams, given the platform that they have and the reach that they have across so many demographics and of their fans, to make their play spaces, their venues, their their stadiums, their arenas, inclusive spaces, spaces that are welcoming to diversity, intolerant of hate and racism. That pledge has played out through various initiatives. So one of which was the creation of a PSA. And so that PSA has been played and is played every game at every venue for every team during every game. And so we play it pregame, we play it during the game here at Fenway Park, so do the Celtics and Patriots, blah, 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 blah. So that is a PSA that we play, that we made together, and it's featuring all of our athletes. All of our key athletes are part of that, you know, PSA, saying things like, if you see something, say something, you know, we are welcoming, we, and so that is, that's one thing that's happening. We have also um, convened all the teams around um, the hosting of a career fair, in an effort to increase the diversity that exists within our front offices. And so every sports team, you know, we've held, I think, two thus far. It's just an opportunity to make sure that we are creating pipelines and pathways for young people of color to gain entry into these workspaces, which are which can be notoriously difficult to break into. And so um, those are just two quick examples of things that I know that are happening. I'm not necessarily per se the head of take the lead here, but I'm part of it. And I, I love my role as a member and a person around the table because I feel like as a person of color, I want to be able to play a part in moving the needle in the right direction. Um, we have a lot of work to do, but I think that there are some intentional strides being made to get to the, to the, to close. You're never going to solve this problem. I think is the other recognition that we need to make, but there are things that we can do to help move the needle in the right direction. Did you address, did you encounter racism when you were a professional player in any form? 
you know, I did not. And I think that's a privilege of having my light skin, my light eyes. I can straighten my hair. I think as a person of color, I have privilege as well. As white privilege is real, so is like light-skinned privilege. And I think my mom has much darker skin and has experienced racism firsthand. But I have a privilege. And I feel like just leading back to the last question you asked me, I have to use my privilege oftentimes to make sure that I can be a voice for people of color that have darker skin than myself that might not have the platform that I do or the receptive audience that I do. So I I talk about white people all the time because I feel like I can, right? And some people of color that have darker skin might not feel that way or that comfortable to speak it that directly, I do. And so I feel very um, responsible. Um, I, I have a responsibility to, to use my privilege. Um, and so that's a long winded way of saying, no, I haven't directly in the, in the arena of sport. Have I heard it? Of course, of course. Have I been the direct victim of no, not that I, I mean, microaggressions and, you know, absolutely prejudices, I'm sure. And, um, you know, um, unconscious by like unconscious, all that stuff, a hundred thousand percent. But have I been the direct victim of direct racism in sport? No, mm. I have not. Mm. So my last question is, who inspires you? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I get inspiration from different places just depending on where I am in my life. And definitely, of course, my sister now is one of my inspirations in my life in this moment. My sister being the Suffolk County District Attorney. Um, Rachel Rollins. Rachel Rollins, absolutely. It changes all the time. I think just depending on kind of, maybe this is selfish, but like my needs. So if I'm having mom guilt or something, I might look to someone either that's in my friend circle or someone that I work with that's like seemingly able to do it, right? And feel like they can juggle it all. Um, But I don't feel mom guilt all the time, but there are cycles by which I feel like I'm not giving as much as I should to my kids. And that is a, an emotional feeling, crappy feeling. But when I feel like I need to fill my tank, I look to someone that I feel like might give me the power uh, that, that is able to do it. Right. Becca, thank you. Of course. And continued good luck with the work of the Red Sox Thank Foundation. you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Power of Good is a production of Ink House, an integrated PR agency of and for changemakers. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about people doing great things in creative ways or to share your story, visit us at inkhouse.com agency insights and be sure to follow us on social media at Inkhouse PR. If you want to connect directly, email us at powerofgood at inkhouse.com.